You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? And we are back with episode 21. Back with episode 21. So, Tyler, do you have an interesting story that I am very, very interested in? Uh, New Orleans is probably one of my favorite places and most memorable places to play poker in my life. I'm very, very curious on your first time going to New Orleans and playing poker, what you thought, what you thought of it. Right. So I went to Harrah's, um, and okay, well, I guess this is one thing just kind of, if you're thinking about going to, to consider when you go, you have to have the vaccination card and your ID when you get into the casino. That was something new to me. Um, and also I went. Um, with my girlfriend to play, right? Like, and she would, because in Houston, a lot of times she's been able to just, you know, either sit behind, sit near the table, maybe not at the table, but in the area. I'm sure you've seen that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's pretty, well, she wasn't able to in New Orleans? So when we went there, I, you know, I just assumed, and I asked them, and they were like, nope, you can't, can't sit, can't even be in the poker room. I said, can't you sit at an empty poker table? And be on her phone? He said, nope, can't even be in here. So I'm guessing this is all has to do with the COVID, right? Yes. I mean, I guess it's understandable, because if you remember back, uh, New Orleans, outside of New York, was probably one of the hardest hit areas in the very beginning. Uh, and, you know, New Orleans is such a touristy place that thrives on that economy. I guess I can see where they would be a little overprotective, you know, on there. I mean, uh, I... It's hard to find fault with that. I mean, it seems like a, a empty poker table would be just fine, but you got to think. I mean, there's other people playing. If if one person can do it, then another person can do it. I I don't find any fault with them on that. Oh, me neither. I was just saying that that's something that they're implementing there. Um, so I went and they had two tables going, two full tables. I had to wait. Um, I was on the list. Um, I finally get on the table and um. It was, I was probably, it was like me and one other guy were kind of deep. He covered me by quite a bit, but everyone else was around maybe 300 to 400. Um, the first interesting hand that happened was I had nine, eight. Um, I think I was in the big blind, I believe. Yes, I was in the, it was nine, eight offsuit. I was in the big blind. I get, it's limped around. I get to see a free flop. Okay, that's no. Uh, I I kind of like nine eight offsuit. I mean, for you know the big blind, it's that's kind of a nice kind of big blind hand to have, especially when the flop comes. Eight nine jack rainbow. Ooh man, flopping two pair. Uh, kind of a seems like kind of a dangerous board, but I mean this is a great flop for you. Exactly. I mean that's what I was thinking. I was thinking this is perfect. You know. Um, I mean, okay, so it's multi-way, so there's always risk involved, right? Because you don't have, not mo I mean, it was limp, so you don't really have much information, right? Everyone's playing any two cards. Yeah, I mean, and people would imp with, like, queen 10 off, and 
a lot of like maybe nine ten. Like there's a lot of limps that would kind of hit this board a little bit. Right. So I kind of proceed with a little bit of caution, but I do bet. I feel like I have to bet. Um, I bet. I think it was fifteen. Um, I assume the pot was probably like twenty five, maybe or. Or what did you bet like pot? No, uh, sorry, I did not bet fifteen. I bet ten. I bet pot. Very small bet. You okay. Know, in, the, in the game. Yeah. The guy to my left immediately raises, but he makes it um, like twenty five. And then the next player snap calls the twenty five. Okay. Obviously, you're calling, right? Obviously, I'm calling. Yeah. I mean, this hand is way too strong. Uh. Even if I even if I think I might be up against like I mean there's a lot of things like Jack ten nine ten, uh, eight ten. There are a lot of pair plus draws that are just gonna be, be in there. So I'm definitely calling with eight nine here. All right, and the turn is the king of hearts, which on a rainbow now it brings you know a backdoor heart draw, which is kind of, you know, I mean just something to keep in mind. Okay. Um. I check it to him, and he bets 35 again. And the player behind him, she snap calls. And I was kind of like, well, I ended up folding. Because I was thinking after I bet, get raised, called. I just, I feel like I could possibly be beat here. What do you think? I mean, you definitely could possibly be <laughs> yeah. here. I mean, it's, I mean, Queen Ten is definitely a possibility, uh, as long as well as Jack Eight, Jack Nine. Uh, I think the odds may be too good for me to fold here, because I mean, okay, it was twenty-five, twenty, so seventy-five plus maybe that was ten to the pot eighty-five, so. 3570. So it's about 35 to win 150. Yes. So I think I have to call here. I mean, like I say there's a lot of pair plus flush draws and or pair plus draws and stuff. I don't love it. I mean, I definitely think queen 10 is definitely a possibility. I mean, I, I can definitely see a fold. Uh I think the odds are just going to sucker me in here. So I end up folding. Um and so then the the river was a blank, like a deuce of clubs, right? Okay. Um, he bets again a gigantic amount, like one twenty five, I think, one fifty. Oh God, that's a that's such a huge bet versus his other team. Um, she snap calls, and he turns over Jack ten for top pair. So he flopped top pair open ended. Yeah. And what what did she show? She never did. Oh, so he he wins with just a top pair. Yeah, so that was a pretty hurtful hand for me. That's a pretty hurtful hand. I mean, I guess if you're going, God damn, what did she call? Now I am very concerned with what she called with there. That that makes no sense to me. Well, I guess we'll hope that she's not listening. But I mean, she ended up being a a pretty new player. And we're just kind of, you know... Oh, just all over the map. Yeah, um, rebuying. I'm guessing you didn't realize that before you made this fold. I mean, uh, yeah, because, I mean, this action looks very strong. Uh, You know, uh, uh, re-raise and and snap call, and then a bet call. So, 
I'm guessing you, they kind of figured that out later on in the session. Exactly. But this was my second hand um, at the table. So it was kind of, I was, and I mean, I was kind of kicking myself over that one afterward that he had just overvalued his hand. Yeah, I don't fault your, I don't fault your fold by any means. I mean, I think a lot of times you're going to be up against maybe a, but here's the thing. I mean, I, I guess, the, well, I mean, here's the problem is you kind of block most of the hands that beat you. Like, the only thing you're really worried about is Queen-10, but it's definitely possible. Well, but here's the other thing. Do I ever get to see, do I ever get to showdown if he bets 125, 150 on the river and she calls? Maybe. I mean, are you just stacking off with bottom two? I mean, or but is... here's the problem is, like, I mean, it is with jacks are never. We both we both know jacks are never there, because someone's gonna raise that pre flop, right? Uh, you with you double blocking jack eight, jack nine. I mean, I mean you're gonna see queen ten here a lot. I mean, uh, which is obviously what you're worried about, right? But I don't know it. I don't know. It's that's a tough hand. I mean, and these multi-way in these multi-way pots, it's that's a really tough kind of of a tough. Not much you can make of it, but I mean, I would expect to see like a jack ten type hand, or either that or nine ten or something like that. But yeah, I don't know. It's, that's that's kind of a that's kind of a rough hand. I mean, it's probably a good fold if you like if you didn't if that person was like a legitimate player of her calling but here's the other thing is you're getting actually better odds with her calling because i think she could never have queen 10 or else she would have raised i mean all that's 100 percent true but you know when it's someone who's i mean again i didn't know at the at the point at the time that she was such a new player yeah and that i mean i mean i saw her call down with like middle pair for all the money I mean, at the time, you can only work with the information that you have. So, I, mean, I think a lot of times you just you made the right fold, and it's just you're gonna be down. But eh, that's a rough spot. So then that hand happened. I was kind of annoyed. I mean, I was just annoyed with myself. I was like, ugh, that was could have been played better, I guess. Um, it's what I was thinking in, at the time, right? Um, yeah. The most results oriented at the table. I am. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, so I lost that hand, and then. Um, I played a few other hands where, like, I tried getting some guy off of an overpair whenever the front door flush came in, and um, an obvious straight came in. Okay. Didn't work. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean that's, <laughs> that's the moral of that story. Didn't work. I mean, you, you can get people off of these hands better than I I mean, I always it's always hard, like, in low-limit poker. I mean, I always talk about, like, the threshold. Like, there's just certain people who are never folding an overpair. Uh, I think as we, now that you've gotten to higher limits, like, you're actually playing with players who can actually do that. So dipping back down into lower limits is, you know, now you're up against a player who's who thinks that it's going to be the nuts every time. Uh, well, I'm up against a player who thinks it's going to he He says, I'm going to see a flush. But F it, I don't care. I call. 
Yeah, this is why. This is <laughs> this is why it took you so long to get me to start bluffing and like low limit poker is because of stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, and you want to talk about just your heart sinking is when you're trying to put in that bluff and he's debating, and all you hear is "f it, I'm not full." I'm just like, oh god. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, well, <laughs> that's not gonna work. Yolo, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just like. Huh. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not what you want to hear when you're uh when you're on a stone cold bluff. Um, so I mean, so like, it was a lot of hands like that where I mean, the the guy to my right actually got over Paris to me quite a bit, or like he played Queen Seven and like, um, I had I forgot what I ended up having, but he he turned two pair. I mean, just kept getting a better hand than me every time. Like I was thinking at some point this guy has to be bluffing or something. Nope, every time. Yeah, I think it's hard to. Th- I do that in sessions, and it gets in my head too. And I'm like, well, at some point they can't be having it every time. But here's the thing: is in they can't be having it every time in the long run. But in these sessions, you could just run hot to no end. I mean, for a couple hours. So, because that always gets in my head too. I'm like, there's just no way every single time. And you know, at a certain point, you do have to put somebody to the test. But sometimes they pass out with flying colors. <laughs> oh, and I do put them to the test at the end of the session. So I'll tell you about that in just a few minutes. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I go ahead. Okay, so I want to know what like this is. I've told many people that this is my favorite place to play poker. Actually, what do you think about the casino and the room in general? Um, the casino was nice. Um, like the slot machines and stuff and. Man, the craps was very high limits. Oh, yeah, God, that that kills me. I mean, because I walked by thinking, like, possibly they'd have a $5 table, because that would be kind of fun to do, maybe just because I was there. $25 minimum table, so that was off the, off, off the, uh, was not an option for me. Yeah. Off the menu, there we go. I think, well, I think some of theirs is high limits, because... In New Orleans, are really your only place you can go. So I mean, you know, if there's five casinos, there's got to be a casino that's got to have lower limits, or else everybody's just gonna go to the nicest one. But Harris has zero competition right there, so I, I think everything's just a little bit higher limits than normal. Um, but as far as um the poker room, I mean, I didn't think it was anything special. I mean, I I didn't think it's I just get a good feel about it. It's kind of open like I like. I kind of like the Mardi Gras type theme and feel of it. And I don't know. There's always just... It seems to have a lot of... Now, here's the other point that it might be way different than when you went. Is both times I went was during the WSOP New Orleans. That would make a lot of sense. Because what I saw was an empty room with three tables. And one was empty and two were being used. Okay, yeah. See, every time I've gone, it's been like the WSOP New Orleans. I mean, it's just super packed, super busy, uh, super kind of fun, like bluffy, fun games. Uh, so I guess that's kind of my why I have such a good feeling about that place. Yeah, none of that was there that night. So uh... <laughs> does not sound like the best poker trip. <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't. I... That was not a poker trip. I happened to play poker on a trip. Oh, okay. Right, so... Tell us, like, I went there. There was eight old man coffees <laughs> yeah. on the table. <laughs> I mean, because that was what I was going to tell you was... um, Yeah, I played for two hours, so... 
I mean, that's a pretty short yeah. session for that me. That is a very short session for you. Yeah. Um, but I was going to tell you, I found it so interesting that it, the game literally just felt like whoever made the hand, like no one was bluffing. No one was hero calling. It was just someone make a hand and just, that was it. It was just whoever made the hand, that hand would win. There was no moves being put on or anything like that. Uh, well, I think this is the difference in Texas where just it's crazy all the time here. And you go to like a place where it's normal poker and you're like, is this, is this how pokers? I mean, is this just how it is? I mean, I put a three bet in and they were like, that seems like aces. I mean, I almost fell out of my chair laughing. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I was like, it's definitely not aces. Um, but so here is my concluding hand of this, which I mean, okay, sure. So I ended up with like ace. I had ace jack suited and the flop came king queen three with two diamonds. Uh, the, one of the threes was a diamond. It wasn't a royal flush draw, but I had a straight draw and a flush draw. So you have ace jack of diamonds. Yeah. And it's king, queen, three. three diamonds. King, queen, and a three with two diamonds. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah. Um, and then this really aggressive player bets out. I call. Um, he bet, like, he would always bet, like, 35. So I called the 35. Uh, I had raised preflop. And he just donking into me. So. Did you think about re-raising? Thought about it. Um. And then he bet small again on the turn. So then I was like, well, um, I don't know. I was thinking this was a perfect time to try to make my hand versus him because um, he would call very light with like a middle pair and stuff at times. Okay. And then um, I bricked the river and I ended up going for it, going all in over the top of his small bet on the river. Okay. And um he called. He called it the Queen Seven offsuit. I think if you're gonna pull this move, I think you have to raise the turn, right? Definitely not what I did. Yeah. <laughs> I can I mean, tell you that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think probably jamming the turn, right? As more of a semi bluff, not a stone cold bluff on the river. Well, I don't even know if it's jamming the turn, but my stack side I was very short at that point. Um Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So if you're raising, you're just jamming the turn. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. I got you. Which is what put me in a weird spot on the turn. I thought about raising, and then I was like, well, this is a. I mean, then it's a jam, and then I was like, well, I'm not sure really what to do here. Because, I mean, on the river, it's kind of a weird. Like to show no strength, to, sh to call, show no strength, call, show no strength, and then to bet the river. I mean, I think it's a kind of a tough line to sell. And that's how you leave Harris with zero dollars. <laughs> try selling that line. Doesn't work. Yeah, it's a because I mean any strong hand would have raised, protecting against the flush draw, and then when you bet, it looks like kind of like a missed flush draw, which it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, very easy bluff to read. Was red, and I went home. I mean, yeah. It's a well. That's a. I'm glad you got to go to New Orleans before now because right now it looks like it is tough. Getting, yeah, it's a tough situation there. But I was yeah, I was excited to see you take this trip. So New Orleans, I've only done two WSOP circuit events. One was in New Orleans, and I had never been to Vegas yet. It was, it was the first deal, and this is kind of what set like the poker trips. Where I was like, oh, this is cool. 
is when I went to New Orleans, I fell in love with that place. I mean, we just played a crap load of poker there and went to bourbon. I mean, you play poker till like 7 o'clock, then go down to Bourbon Street and go down there and drink, you know, cheap drinks all, all night and then come back, play poker and repeat. I was like... I was like, oh my god, I love this place. Because I had never been to Vegas, so this is kind of the closest thing to Vegas I knew of at that point. Yeah, I mean, that sounds amazing. I mean, nowhere close to what I did, but that sounds amazing. Um, I have something kind of interesting for you, though, that happened the session before I went to New Orleans. Okay. Um, Okay, so I'm at 88, and... Um, so I was, I was playing, I'd run it up a little bit and then this guy sits down, you know, not really talking much. And then, you know, he starts, I mean, he put some of, I mean, just horrible beats on me. Like, um, he called me just like a gut shot on the river and spiked it to double up and all sorts of stuff. I mean, that's ever good. I mean, just, it was, it was a tough session for me in this, um, a, a few tough hands for me. But then the guy started going crazy. Like, I mean, he put bad beats on me, but the calls he was making, I mean, tons of action, right? I mean, he's doubling up. Like, uh, like going crazy, do you mean like playing any hand or calling light or just rate or, you know, betting pre-flop without seeing his car? Like, give me a... Okay, I have the, the perfect thing that he does every time. Okay. Every single hand... 100% 100% of the time would raise giant preflop. Okay. And then on any flop, bet gigantic. Okay. This is, I kind of like this. But if you three bet, he's calling. If you bet, he's calling. I mean, every single time, right? How, how big is your stack at this point, you think? Um, <laughs> I ended up getting stacked by him. So I ended up adding on for another thousand. Or not another, I was in for 500, got stacked bought in um for a thousand because the table was so deep stacked i mean him and the guy to his his left both had about um god it might have been like five thousand each okay something like that and i saw him make one of the most ridiculous hero calls i mean i he had bottom pair and the guy bet like three thousand on the river. Oh God! And he turns over bottom pair, and he just goes, "I know you're bluffing." Get let me let me let me. Uh, can I gamble on something that that guy was not bluffing? Wait. So he sits there and tells him, "I know you're bluffing. I'm ninety five percent gonna call. What do you want me to do though? Maybe you can talk me out of calling." And the guy's like, I don't know. You can, you know. And then he was like, I think you're bluffing. And he just goes, I call. And the guy had missed his straight draw. Oh, my God. (laughs) Hit eight high. When he bet 3,000, how much was in the pot? A lot. (laughs) Uh, Like 2,000. I mean, it was gigantic. Better call than I was going to make. I would make the problem. Well, I mean, I, I don't know the context of everything that went down, so it's hard to say, but God yeah. almighty. But, I mean, I don't know. 
I, I might not call three thousand dollars with the nuts. So I mean, <laughs> I mean, we know how tight I can be sometimes. So, <laughs> well, I mean, the reason why I don't really have much insight on the hand is I was not really paying much attention. It was a heads up hand, and I was, I'm sure I was texting you about him, <laughs> river, rivering me, and I'm like, now I'm stuck even more. Yeah, that um, makes okay. Well, that all that all checks out. <laughs> and then the guy who he uh, made that call with rebuys, and now this guy, um. I was I somehow got not some I got mixed up in a gigantic hand with him. I have Ace Jack suited. Um, the flop comes. I I three bet them. They both call. Um, and the flop comes all hearts Ace high. So it's like Ace seven four all hearts. Okay. And I I put out a small bet. And then get raised, re-raised. I was like, well, this is over for me. So yeah. I fold. And they end up playing the biggest pot I've ever seen. Um, so the turn paired the seven. Okay. And then on the river, all the money ended up in the middle. For it was, I mean, it had to have been like 12. I mean, it was gigantic. It was at least 10,000. Okay. The guy flopped the nut flush, or like with the king high or whatever. Mm-hmm. The other guy flopped a set of sevens, turned quads. Oh, God. Yeah. So I think he must have been, it was probably about a $12,000 uh, pot, right? Right. So now this guy's going crazy on all sorts of action, right? Right. And this is the thing I was going to ask you about, which kind of, was tough for me because this player wanted action and was going to give a lot of action to make calls and just was that, but he was, you could tell was there to have a good time. Right. Right. But I had to kind of, I was giving him action because no one else really was. And I was talking to him because I mean, no one, I mean, a lot of people didn't really know what to do because he was betting gigantic all the time and just going crazy and bluffing everyone. But it's hard to walk that fine line of like giving action to keep the game good and keep that player there because you need that player to stay there, right? Right. But then kind of playing badly um, and giving too much action, maybe. That's a good point. Uh, what's amazing is I bet there were people actually at the table who actually wanted the player to leave. That's crazy to me, but. Uh, what were the, did you get that sense? Because I've been at a lot of tables where it just where you know people aren't prepared to play that big and they just get you know they're like they just want to limp in or something like that. So I see a lot of that. But uh, as far as giving the player enough action to kind of make it around, I think this is super tough because. I guess it depends on just what that player's VPIP you feel like that is and what he's showing uh, down. I can tell you, 100. 100? He's playing every single hand? Every single hand coming in with a gigantic raise. So let's say... Okay, I mean, obviously your VPIP should be different depending on your position. Uh, God, this is this is so weird. See, that was the thing. So it's like, and it's always me and him heads up. Always. I mean, I bluffed him a few times, you know, showed him the bluff. He loved that. You know, he bluffed me, show me the bluff, you know. He loved, you know, bluffing, calling, all that, hero calling. 
but I, man, I felt like I was, I was on the kind of like on the border of like playing good and not like giving too much action and kind of started kind of tip on the wrong side. Well, what, like your stack size is so, is so important here. Cause what was your stack size? Man, the game was so swingy. I was, I mean, I was up to like 17 for a while, went down to like 400 back up to 17 again. I mean, just back and forth, right? So I think, like, the big thing here is not only, like, what, like, how much action you're giving, but with what hands you're giving. Because, like, when you're at 2,000 deep, and, I mean, you probably want cards, you know, cards that at least have the possibility of stacking. I mean, you know, all of a sudden, 5-6, five, 5-7 five, suited and stuff like that. But when you're going down to 500 against a player who's playing like this, those almost need to be completely out of your range. Right. Where, I mean, now, like, we say, like, we hate king-10, queen-10, but against a player like this, if you're if you get down to five or 600 and all the money's going in there so easily, you need to play hands that you're just going to make top pair. Yeah. So... Yeah, I think it's I think not only how much action, but it's very much it's very dependent on what cards you're giving the action with what stack size. Have you ever noticed that the players like that though? Um Well, I mean, if no one's playing with him other than me, I mean, you can imagine my hands are not king 10 and queen 10, right? I mean, it's looser than that, you know. Well, yeah, I think it's but I would say like you need like and not so much like it has to be queen ten king ten, but it needs to be cards capable of making top pair, like you know, or like an a or like a pair of aces, something like that. Well, cards that will hit often but don't need to be nutted. I think is what I'm really going with. Gotcha. And then how tough is it to play against somebody who will just always bet gigantic with eight high or the nuts? Oh, I mean, it's definitely, I don't know if tougher, but it's, I mean, the variance is off the charts. I mean, because I had one where, like, I had, like, four, five, and the flop came um, seven, seven, five, and this guy just barreled and barreled, and I called him down, right? And on the river, river's a ten. And because um, he actually he check raised me on one of my he called his check raise, which was gigantic. Right. And that was a pretty nice call at the time. And then the river's a king and um, he checks it. And I was like, well, you know, the cans I kind of thought he was on just, you know, hit. OK. So I checked it back and he was bluffing with just king high. The whole just no out, no draw other than the king. I mean. But that goes back to my, it's like not tough because you were ahead. It's just the variance because, you know, when they do hit, they hit so big. Well, I mean, it is still tough, though, to call a check raise number. I bet, you know, well, I'm thinking about like 35 and you check raise it to 250. Oh, 100%. On a paired board. I mean, yeah. That's tough. Oh, oh no, that's 100% <laughs> tough. Yeah, that is definitely. I, mean, uh, I don't know. Like when I play against players like this, I just kind of forget like how they're playing and play my hand in like a vacuum and basically you know i 
take a strong hand as a strong hand and you know like if i'm playing with like a solid player like you and all of a sudden i have top pair but it's a day you know it's like seven eight you know queen or something and i got queen jack or something and you re-raise i'm thinking of folding because there's a lot of hands that you have here that either are going to have a huge amount of equity or have me crushed. But a player like that, I just kind of put my, I try to put my hand in a vacuum and play it just on the strength of the hand. Because if their actions are making no sense, it's kind of, it's kind of tough. I mean, I'll kind of conclude. I mean, there's going to be kind of a short podcast. No, well, not that short. It's going to be over 30 minutes. But um, that hand was kind of summed up. Well, I ended up making the nut straight on one hand, turning it. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is a perfect time. Like, uh, it was like, it ended up making like the front door. Like I was hoping he might've been on the flush draw or something. I mean, I was hoping he was on something, right? Two pair right. set something. Um, so I ended up raising him um, on the turn. Whenever I turned the nut straight with the, I had Jack nine. Okay, um, nice. And it was, it was the Jack high straight. And he folds like it was like no not even queen it was just like eight three offsuit or something or he had no pair it was, must have been like five three or something it was just like see i didn't even have a hand just instant instantly mucked it and i was thinking like man i could have got so much more on the river because he was not going to stop whenever you have a hand like that oh because he was obviously going to bluff right yeah I don't I mean, know. It's that, kind that's, of a that's kind of tough. I mean, yeah, it's hard to read that hand like that. I mean, that's what I was saying. It's just kind of tough whenever someone will bet with literally nothing and just try to get you to fold and do the same thing with the monster. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, that's a lot of how your strategy comes into play is because, I mean, you you're very balanced. I mean, of course he's not balanced. I mean, really, in all honesty, most of the times he's betting is probably air actually because yeah. it's hard to make monster hands but <laughs> yeah, i mean true. so like yeah i mean but yeah someone who's willing to even beginners or cr- kind of crazy people you know if they're willing to put all their chips in there you know for a gigantic amount i mean it's, it's still hard to call light because guess what those hand those people are still gonna hit hands so yeah it's definitely it definitely feels like you're just walking on walking in a field of landmines Oh, I forgot. There's one more interesting hand before we go for this week. Okay. Um, so I was playing a multi-way pot with that player, and I had pocket fives, right? Okay. And I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure he's bluffing, right? And then, but the problem was there's another player in the... Man, I was not playing well, because I was like playing against this guy, and I was like, I was treating it like we were heads up. It was multi-way. Right. Um, Basically, on the river... It completed a very obvious straight, like, um, I think it was ended up being like, uh, uh, it was, I'm trying to think, it ended up being to where, like, king-queen was the nut straight, right? And we check it through to the guy in the, um, not the crazy guy, not me, the guy on the button who was uh, in the hand with us, three-handed. Right. He ends up betting, like, pot. And I was like, ooh, you know what would be kind of put him in a rough spot? If I check-raised him gigantic. And uh, I ended up check-raising him like, because I think he bet pot. 
So I check raise him like 3.5x his bet. Okay. And I think, you know, I mean, it was a gigantic bet. And he folds the second nuts face up. Oh, wow. And the dealer was like acting like he called. I was like, he mucked. He mucked, man. <laughs> Put that right in the muck. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I can't even show my hand right now. And then that tilted that guy. I ended up getting a ton of value later on um, just playing a different hand because he, he thought I was over bluffing, which in that case probably was. I mean, I, that's a great move because I will say this. I mean, I'm probably never going – if I'm going to do that move, I'm going to want one of the blockers to the straight in my hand. As you should. As you should. That's a good, that's a great ground rule. I mean, you should really consider that. But, yeah, I don't, wow. I mean, if you get someone to lay down second nuts, that's a great hand. I mean, I don't, I, getting these people to lay down middle of pair is fucking hard. I mean, if you're getting them to lay down second nuts, that's a great move. Takes a lot of money. <laughs> takes yeah. big bets. <laughs> uh, but I guess overall, you know, crazy players, I I still find it kind of hard to deal with. Um, but I guess, you know, in Houston, you'll get lots of practice. Uh, yeah, this is the place to get pr- tons of practice with that. Yeah, and I guess it's found our hair, our uh, New Orleans stories are a bit, our experience is a bit different. But next week we'll be talking about, I'll be in, I'll be going to Vegas. We'll be able to talk about where I'm going, where it should go, where I have and haven't been, and all the sorts of stuff. So we'll see you guys next week. Bye. That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time, and we'll see you next week.